Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, this going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed, believed God, and they called for a fast and put on sackcloth for the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached Nineveh, reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. He issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed on drink or water, but let the man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. For this is the word of the Lord. Well, where we last left Jonah was being puked out of a big fish. And he's on a beach, and he is covered in bile, and he is wiping it off, and he's looking around. And we don't know if it was instantaneously. We don't know if the Lord let him sit there for four or five weeks. We don't know how quickly it happened, but what we do know is we find him there, and God says, Jonah, go to Nineveh. And this time, Jonah gets up and he goes. Now, you're probably like me, and you think, well, of course you would. <laughs> you've just said no, you've run away, and all of a sudden, you've ended up in the belly of a big fish, you were there for three days, and now you've been spat out. If you heard God say, yes, I need you to do something, you would probably say, okay. Or maybe really you're like me, where you know that lovely um, poem about footprints in the sand that say, you know, I was walking along and I saw two sets of footprints in the sand and then uh, there were occasions where there was only one footprint in the sand and I finally asked Jesus uh, what was going on there, right? And he says, I, I was carrying you, right? My version is that there's a big swaths of like dragging things in the sand because that's where God has dragged me along with him. Not that he picked me up and carried me, but he had to knock me out and I'm a little too heavy for him and so he had to carry me. I don't, maybe that's not you, that's me. But what we do know is there's some semblance of repentance here for Jonah. There's a turn, there's an obedience that takes place. We'll get to that in a minute. And then he goes and he proclaims this message. It says that Nineveh is a big city. It could mean that there's, it's a three days journey to Nineveh. It could mean that Nineveh is three days. It could be 
telling us that it's just a big, important city. And so here he is. He goes to this big, important city, the important city. Every city in Australia thinks they're the most important city. This is that type of city. It is, we are the city. And he goes to it. And so they have pride. And they have violence. And they are turned in on themselves. And they think of only them, both individually and corporately, as a city. It's really not the city you want to go visit. It reminds me of when I was in Durban. Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned the city. Scratch that out of your head. I was in a city in another country, and they told us to just stay on the path where the hotels were because you didn't want to go off that path because if you did, you would get mugged. And I'm a fairly big guy, and I thought, oh, you know, I could probably go off the path. And I was with another bigger guy, and he thought, oh, we could probably go off the path. And so we're in the lobby, and as we're sitting in the lobby, we see a guy that was bigger than us come in, bleeding from his head, and his pants are cut along the pockets. And we're like, what happened? He goes, well, I just stepped off the path, and a group of people knocked me out and took my wallet. That's Nineveh. Nineveh was that type of place. And so there comes this message, in 40 days you will be overthrown. In 40 days you will be overturned. And they recognize it and they repent. I want to talk first about the message that comes. Because if we look at it, it can seem like it is harsh. In 40 days you will overturn. And then later we see their response to it says, who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger. So there's this understanding of the Ninevites as they're looking at what God is saying to them or doing to them that God must be turned against them. But as we really dig deep into this passage and we see Jonah coming to say, in 40 days you will be overturned, we see that this prophecy that he's bringing is actually protective. See, he's looking out at them. He sees how their hearts are turned on themselves. He sees how they continue to walk in this rut that will lead to their destruction. And he lets them know, if you continue to walk the way that you walk in 40 days, it's going to all break loose. You will be finally completely given over to being turned in on yourselves, setting yourselves up of the king of your own hearts. And in doing that, you will step outside of the way I have designed and created you to be. And when that happens, only destruction comes. So Jonah is bringing them a protective proclamation. He is saying, if you continue to go the way that you go, you will be destroyed. It's also predictive. (laughs) It's not just protective saying, I need you to change. I want you to move. I want you to back off. It's also predictive. It's saying, this is going to happen. It's saying, if you continue to, to be only about yourself, if you elevate your own heart to be only the most important heart, then destruction and separation comes. There's no turning back from it. Interestingly enough, That word that is used there for overthrown can also mean transformed. 
And so in some sense, Jonah is probably giving us a, a double meaning here. He's predictive and he's saying, if you continue to walk the path that you walk, destruction will come and you'll be overthrown. But he's also being predictive in saying, in 40 days, if you turn, you will be transformed. Your heart will change. It will no longer be turned on itself, but it will be turned towards the God who has created you. And so when a proclamation of repentance comes to us, it is predictive. There are two options. There is either destruction or there is transformation when we hear it. And we can move in that direction. The the third thing that we see about what Jonah is saying is it is powerful. It actually does something. When they hear these words that are coming out of Jonah's mouth, and maybe we should just give a little bit of context here. Uh, In one of the commentaries that I read, it said, remember, this is like a Jewish girl going into the heart of Berlin during Nazi Germany and standing on a soapbox and saying, God's about to destroy all of you. Or perhaps a Christian in Mosul, which is where Nineveh was, in 2014 when ISIS was taking over everything and saying, destruction is coming to you. So there's some boldness here that is taking place. And in that, then there is power that comes because we see that it changes the hearts of the people. When when they hear this proclamation, when they hear this words, it lets us know that they believed God, the mighty one, the creating one. That they believed God and they fasted and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. Now, that's like a summary statement. And then we jump down and we hear how that took place. How did it take place? The king heard about it. He rose from his throne. He began to repent. And then he called forth that everyone in all of Nineveh repents. And so what does repentance look like? Well, the first thing we see is repentance takes action. It's not just something that we go, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Repentance actually takes action. There's a a movement, a response to this proclamation that they say, we've got to get ourselves right. There has to be something that changes about us. And so the first action that comes when we recognize that we need to repent is sorrow, is mourning, is lament. When they begin to recognize that their hearts have been turned on themselves for so long, that their community was filled with violence, that the only thing to do when we see our sin is to mourn. Let me be honest, that's a hard place to sit. I mean, they do it well. They strip off their clothes, they put on sackcloth, they sit in ashes, and they don't eat, and they don't drink. I just want to go, I'm sorry, and move on. Let's just, let's just get to the good side of this. 
where I'm accepted again, where I'm right again. But, but what God says in the steps of repentance is that you need to recognize and see the damage that it has caused. And when you see the damage that it's caused to your own heart and to the hearts of those that are around you, maybe even the physicality of the people around you and your own physical person, that we must mourn. That there's a place for us to repent and have sorrow. The second thing that we see about this is it realigns us. It realigns us when we repent. It moves us from sorrow then to being realigned with who God is. There's a recognition that this God is mighty and holy. And perhaps if we show him that we are changing, he will relent. He won't come and destroy us. And in doing that, they've taken their eyes off their own heart and they've put it on the mighty, majestic, wonderful, steadfast, loving God. And in doing that, they're eyes now see who he is and their hearts realign with who they are and so it becomes a little bit easier to not step into the way of violence because when we see God for who he is and we recognize what he is doing for us then we begin to see all those around us as not nuisances or not people who are in our way but people who are loved by this steadfast loving God who pursues us and that we in turn should be loving them And so we move in that direction. It realigns us with who he is because it is powerful to change us when it is proclaimed to us. I do want to point out here that there are individual sins that are going on in Nineveh. But what we see happening is a corporate repentance that takes place. So that there are people here that are living in Nineveh who probably weren't as violent. They probably weren't as turned in on themselves. They they probably weren't as ugly to each other. Yet, what the king sees is that all of us needs to repent. That the whole city needs to turn. And then we see what God does which he was already doing. Remember, God wasn't looking down and was like, oh, surprised at what happened. God's not looking out and going, oh, wow, they actually listened. God knows the steps that they are moving in. He understands that when this proclamation of protection comes, that they will hear it for the mercy and kindness that it is, and they will say yes to God. And in saying yes to God, their trajectory of life moves from being self-centered to being God and other-centered. And they are able to step into life, life to the full. Now, I will say the way that Jonah has this written as we're telling the story of Jonah, it does say that God repents, changes his mind, turns. But I would say that As we know, the Bible is God's word that is written through men and women. And that that could be the way that they had to interpret that, to see it, to understand it. Because God knew what was going to take place. 
So what does that mean for us as we look at how Nineveh repented, how their posture changed, how they moved to a place? It means this for us. Perhaps you're here and you have never taken the time to think, is God really who he says that he is? Is he holy and mighty and true and steadfast in his love? And you think there's no way that I could possibly be forgiven for who and what I have done. And God says, don't keep walking in the way of destruction. I have given you grace and peace to bring you in so that you can repent and be made whole. Today is the day. (laughs) Don't wait any longer. For some of us, it is about Jonah himself. See, because the rest of the story that we get to hear next week is Jonah goes out and says, kill me. I hate what took place. And he misses that repentance is not a one-time thing. Repentance is a posture that God walks us into. That there is a a place for us to move, to walk in, to, to repent of the places where we continue to put ourselves on the throne. The places where we continue to see others as less significant or not designed by God for His glory. To repent where we think, God, I trust you, but I know I have a better way. To repent and be in that posture so that we can also walk in relationship with Him. That we don't stand up and say, we don't need grace. We don't need mercy. We don't need God's steadfast love. Because He's already done that once and we're all good. No, we stand in it saying, yes, because God is good, because of His mercy, because of its grace, it is much easier for me to continue to see the darkness of my heart so that I can repent. And so when we begin to feel, oh, this sort of things aren't going my way, or why, why am I unhappy about this, or why do I keep getting angry? Maybe one of the first questions we can ask ourselves is, in my heart, what am I getting out of my anger or my distrust or my disdain for others that I should be getting out of the love of God? What is it giving me? Because Jonah would tell us, and the people of Nineveh would scream out, it is giving you destruction if you don't repent. And so God moved, and he saved the city. He poured mercy out on them and gave them grace. He does that for us today. He can't wait through Jesus to pour out his mercy and give us grace. There is nothing that you have done or can do that will separate you from the love of God. In Christ Jesus, Roman tells us. That he moves into that place and he calls out. And it takes us just Repenting, (laughs) giving up, (laughs) giving up and being turned to follow him. Let me pray for us. God, you are good and all you do is good. We ask that if there are words that are yours, we ask that they take root in our heart. And if there are words that are not from you, that they burn up and they go away. 
We give you glory and honor today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.